Welcome to On Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people. Today we will be talking to Scott Kent as part of our series on promoters. As always, if you'd like to reach me, you can follow me on Instagram, Matt Lucas Muay Thai, or email me at a.mattlucas at gmail.com. Thanks to all the people that have supported me so far, sharing the podcast, leaving reviews. If you'd like, you can leave a review. That would be super helpful. You can do so on the iTunes store. Also, I have partnered with Pat, um, JJ Ferraro and Stefan Strahmeyer to start a new project called the Muay Thai Panel. It goes over scoring in very clear detail, going over referee mechanics, what scores, what doesn't score. We have five reviews. We look exactly at what scores and what doesn't score. Super helpful for fighters, coaches, and fans. You can follow it on Patreon. Again, it's the Muay Thai panel. As always, thank you to Patrick Rivera for getting the show started. This is a great show. I'm very excited about it, especially going into talking to some of the promoters about the back end of the business, what it costs to put on a show, what are some of the difficulties of doing so. I feel like by understanding the business of the sport, more people will be able to help it grow. Scott obviously has been a big person in Muay Thai has been promoted 72 shows over the last 12 years so quite a storied career so without further ado the interview with Scott Kemp so thank you so much Scott for coming on the show today how are you doing Matt, I'm doing great, buddy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Happy belated birthday, of course. Hope you had a good birthday. Yeah, thank you so much. Awesome. So let's get right into it. Why did you start to do Lion Fight? It began in uh, Prim, Nevada, correct, if I'm right? No, you're absolutely right. I was uh, a casino executive uh, for the Mirage and then Mandalay Resort Group and then the Fountain Blue. You know, I, I trained in, in Thailand with um, One Kick Nick and I went over and trained with Takum, our friend there. And, uh, you know, I've, I've always been involved with it. And after my casino life, I just decided I wanted to do something different. And, and they, you know, there was uh, a lot of interest in, in getting somebody with a business acumen involved with promoting Lion Fight and, you know, getting it hopefully to a brand where you'll have... Uh, some international recognition and you're right we started in Prim out on the uh, state line we started real small and we did three shows and then I think we were uh, off and running off to uh, the Hard Rock in Las Vegas yeah I think I went to one of the first shows it was uh, I think it was called Battle in the Desert um, I remember uh, Chaz Mulkey fought on it um, against Remy some t- a tall guy from Florida a tall Frenchman was, yeah, rem- oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The that was definitely a good start. Why? How do you think the your background in the casinos played a part in uh, line fight, especially in the beginning? 
Well, I think the fact that I had all these casino contacts, the reason we were in Prim was because a friend of mine was the general manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, reason we went to the Hard Rock is people that I knew from the casino business. The reason we went to Foxwoods is because one of my best friends was the president out there. So that was really the kind of the genesis of tapping into all of those contacts I've made over the years in the casino industry and and uh, being able to do the show. As a matter of fact, to this day, I'm still dealing with a lot of people that I knew from my time in the casino industry. Mm. What what do you think are some of the pros and cons of working with the casinos? Because, you know, especially for pro Muay Thai, a lot of shows are at casinos because of the hardships of regulations with the different state athletic commissions. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Obviously, you know, when we started, you could get very good site fees from the casinos. You know, mm-hmm. you would bring bring the customers in and and being a casino guy you know i understood that that they were going to spend some money if we could draw people into into their venue you know the old classic mousetrap and 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 that's what we were able to do and then you know that that business has changed somewhat too um doing the native american casinos we've had a lot of success in doing that they don't have the regulation that you get with a lot of the state commissions so you've got a lot more flexibility they've got hotel rooms mm-hmm. they provide for the fighters so there's a lot of financial reasons why that business model really makes sense mm-hmm. um and just backtracking a little bit to some of those early days what what was it like initially starting line fight it was you know what it's been almost 15 years correct yeah i think we're going into our 12th year now mm-hmm. in, in in full-time you know line fight promotions uh so what were some of those early shows like you said you had the first three in prim nevada and then moved to uh hard knocks what were some of the early goals and what were you trying to achieve with it well, we were quite frankly scared shitless to <laughs> to, to venture into this. You know, it was a, a business that I was learning a lot about. I understood Muay Thai, but the business of Muay Thai is 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 very different than and fighting in general. Um, you know, I had Christine Toledo, who was a former fighter. She was my matchmaker and partner in this thing, and. You know, when we first started, we sat down with Kevin Ross and I don't remember if it was Chaz. And, you know, we were at a restaurant and we just started drawing things out on a placemat at the restaurant saying, you know, what do the fighters want? What would be good for Muay Thai? So we didn't come in with the attitude like we had all of the answers. We knew we needed to learn our way along, you know, kind of kind of learn as we went. And yet we were committed to really, even in those early days, you know, we had Sakman Cole, we had Cosmo mm-hmm. Alexander, mm-hmm. Star of the Desert, Battle of the Desert shows that we did out of Prim. So we were bringing in major international talent, mm-hmm. even on those first shows, you know, Kevin Ross and, you know, Joe Schilling, all those guys fought for us out at Prim. And, you know, we just steadily grew. And, and I've had the good fortune of having, you know, good friends that are investors that kind of were able to get us through the tough patches and get us going and, and uh, you know, financing a lot of that because it's, it's, you know, people don't understand how complex the business part of it and all of the expenses are that goes into that. So 
we've been lucky and we've made a lot of mistakes along the way, but you know, we've also developed a brand we're very proud of. Mm. Yeah, obviously, you know, it's not easy to do a show, especially for so long. You see so many shows come and go, you know, a lot of them start big and then sort of peter out or just disappear. And to have a show consistently is very difficult. Um, you talked a little bit about the business and some some of the complexities of doing this. What are some of the sort of unseen uh, issues or expenses that most people wouldn't know about when putting on a show? Well, you know, it starts with the purses and then, you know, you've got to rent out the venue, you've got to rent lighting, you've got to rent the ring, you've got to rent insurance for all of the fighters. All of your fighters have to be insured. They have to meet the local requirements of, you know, the commission in that particular state. Um, travel, you know, we bring in a lot of international fighters, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, you got to deal with hotel costs you got to deal with food you got to deal with the commission expenses uh, you got to deal with uh, sanctioning body expenses licensing you know ticket taxes pre-fight meds are a huge part mm -hmm. people that are on a fight in the united states don't understand how much it costs to do a show in las vegas or you know massachusetts or california mm -hmm. so you don't deal with those expenses in thailand or in europe mm. so so that's why, and, and you kind of alluded to it, you know, I don't know how many promotions I've seen come and go in the last, you know, 10, 12 years that started out, and you know, with the, the best of intentions and, and just didn't realize how cost-laden these kinds of shows are. Mm -hmm. And then you get streaming, and then you get into the television side of it. And, you know, I, I was on a call recently and people were talking about the business of Muay Thai who've never even promoted a show in the United States, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm like, you know, you don't understand how how expensive it is to put on a show. You mm -hmm. know, some promoters just do amateurs or they'll do just local pro-ams and, you know, they're not flying people in, they're not paying for all of these other ancillary costs and it's a business model that works for them and I, mean, mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect guys that do that we've always tried to look at it more as a global brand mm -hmm. both television exposure and then with the amount of money that we've invested in bringing in the lot you know yachts and clays jurina bars uh Lertzilla, all of these guys that aren't cheap so you bring in these international names so that you get the attention of you know these other countries and i think that's why the lion fight brand is what it is now Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess if we sort of break down, you made a pretty long list of the cost of having a fighter. Um, so you have things like food, uh, travel, uh, the pre-fight meds, uh, insurance, uh, the purse, of course, and hotel. I mean, you're looking at, you know, just to have, you know, a fighter on your show, it's going to cost you maybe three thousand dollars or more just their base cost uh, and that's like with a pretty low purse does that sound like a rough number or no i think that's way low low to be when you start looking because it's not just the fighter you yeah bring their friend too so you're uh -huh. flying to and from europe you're flying two people in from mm -hmm. the coast you've got to do all of the pre-fight meds which i think in nevada are about 1200 bucks oh a fighter. yeah i 
I assumed it was maybe 600, but so yeah, that definitely doubles things. <laughs> I mentioned the cost for COVID, which we've had to deal with for the last two years. Yeah. We, did, we did 10 shows last year and a couple of road to lion fights. And you know, you got to attack on testing. You got to mm-hmm. attack on, you know, having a doctor, having procedures and, and, yeah. and all of the go along with it. So that's, that's not a small number either. Yeah. So it'd be more, it'd be double, it'd be more like $6,000 just to have, you know, a mid-low fighter on your show in terms of cost. Oh, mid to low. And and again, you know, you, you know, you, you're weighing that when you make that decision. Is this guy or girl, is this a quality of fighter that we want? Mm-hmm. Is this somebody marketable? Is this somebody that can sell tickets? You know, so that's. That's the struggle. That's the battle that you deal with. Yeah, obviously, it's a very, it's a, it's a hard marketing decision to make, because someone might be a very talented fighter and a super nice guy, but it's risky to invest six thousand dollars in them if they can't necessarily sell tickets or you know provide value. Maybe they're more technical and end up in a boring fight. You know you. It's a big, it's a lot of money. Well, and not just that, you know, you've got commentators. Mm-hmm. God forbid, talked about production yet. So you've got $12,000 for a production truck, and, you know, you've got commentators. You've got hotel rooms for all of those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, you've got your social media person. You've got your person that does all your graphics. Mm-hmm. You know, all has an expense that's thrown into this. And that's why, like you mentioned, so many promotions just kind of come and go because they don't need press to promote fights. Well, I could do that. I used to fight or I used to do mm-hmm. this. But reality is, is, is it's a very, very tough, 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 tough business. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, why do you do it then? Uh, you said that, you know, you, you wanted to try it out and you were learning a lot along the way, but at, at its core, why are you doing it? You know, Matt, I, I love the sport, and I think there were so many times where we could have folded up our tent and just went home, and I could have went back and to a successful you know casino career and, and made a lot of money, and I dealt with all of the, the stress and you know, all of the, the social media sometimes, which is, is, you know, a lot of times negative and you got to have a tough skin to do this. And mm-hmm. it's almost like a challenge to me, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I feel obligated to all of the fighters that we've signed, you know, uh, that, that the people that work for us, Scott Zur, who's been with us for years is a matchmaker, does an amazing job. You know, we're all committed to, to seeing this thing through because we truly believe at the end of the day, it's got a much bigger upside. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing is maybe not the monetary returns that you would like right now, but as far as from a satisfaction standpoint, as far as from a personal standpoint, you know, there's, there's nothing like, the you know after a fight and you've been there you know mm-hmm. you've seen us when you've got fighters literally in tears telling you that it was you know their dream to fight on lion fight mm-hmm. and, you know winning title was you know one of the best nights of their lives that's it's tough to to monetize that and and i think that's what kind of internally keeps me motivated mm-hmm. to to keep going mm. 
Yeah, you know, I was able, obviously, I've been to a few line fight shows over the years, um, and obviously the one out in Boston recently, and it was a really good time after. Uh, Everyone hanging out, it was very, like, jovial. People were just happy that the event went so well, and, you know, there's just a real spirit of camaraderie that I can definitely see being very, very intrinsically motivating. Um You've obviously had some upsides in the, your career at with Lime Fight. What are some of the most memorable moments for you, though? Boy, there's been so many. I think, you know, having Yodson Clyde come and fight uh, Chike Lindsay, mm-hmm. and it was an epic fight. And, you know, American Muay Thai has never been at a level where they've been competitive, really, for, you know, with the Thais or a lot of the Europeans. But... That fight was kind of, I thought, a turning point for us because it was just, uh, you know, both fighters were bloodied. It was a very close fight. Yodson Clay won. But, you know, at the time, he was, you know, the best Muay Thai fighter of his generation. And to have an American fighting, you know, and and being able to to fight him as well as he did um, was something that sticks out. Uh, you know, having Jarena Bars beat Chris Cyborg mm-hmm. at the hard run. You know, that was something where, you know, Joe Rogan was there. We had uh, uh, a lot of the UFC fighters, the Diaz brothers were there. A lot of UFC brass were there. And to be able to see that in saying that, you know, here's Muay Thai up against the baddest woman on the planet and mm-hmm. beating her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could just go right down the list. You look at guys like Chip Pollard and Steve Walker, who, you know, just amazing personal stories. And and to be able to become world champions and represent the sport so well, it's uh, it's really an honor to work with guys like that. Yeah, there's definitely been some memorable fights. I especially like some of the the battles on Fremont Street when you had uh, Kevin Ross versus Yamoto. That was a very, very memorable bout almost 10 years ago now, uh, at least eight. Um, And then, you know, guys like Chip Pollard did have successful careers and were able to go international. Uh, He defended his belt, what, seven times? Yeah, yeah. So very, definitely some high points. What... You know, you've gone through different phases with the business model to some extent. Um, you were on Access TV for a while, and now you're on UFC Fight Pass. Can you talk about some of the changes in your business model and why those things happened? Well, I think they were all part of our growth. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you you have to remember when we started this, it was only linear TV. You know, you were passing fight posters out of your trunk. Mm-hmm. And that type of old ticket, you would give fighters, you know, a stack of tickets and hopefully they sold most of them. Now that's changed with the streaming services, with linear TV. You know, we were kind of at that transition point with Access TV. Mm-hmm. You know, we were able to do, you know, I think, I think we did three years on Access TV. It was a great partner. It really got us, got our feet wet with, production and what goes involved you know what's involved with all of that and you know we've done streaming some shows and then we uh we did cbs sports network for a year Mm -hmm. you know their television linear network uh and you know that that it's got its advantages and its disadvantages it's 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 cbs sports 
but it's only broadcast in North America. So mm -hmm. all of our European fighters couldn't see the shows. Mm -hmm. All of our Canadian fighters couldn't even see the shows. Mm -hmm. So, you know, then we started talking to Fight Pass. And, you know, they were committed to building the, the biggest combat sports platform in the world. You know, obviously the UFC is, is uh, huge and, and, and the brand represents that. Being able to be a part of that was, was great because, you know, it gave the combat sports folks that maybe had only seen MMA an opportunity to see, um, see Lion fight, see Muay Thai. And, you know, the knockout of the year on UFC Fight Pass was Steve Walker. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that says a lot because I think there were 30 promotions on the network. And for them to pick our fight as the, the fight of the year or the knockout of the year was, was, an amazing accomplishment, I think, for the brand. And and as we continue to grow and look at other options, heavily focused on the American market, but also tagging into what's happening in Europe, what's happening mm -hmm. in Thailand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you've uh, Line Fight has expanded as well, going into Europe, uh, doing a lot of co-branded shows. Can you talk about that and why you? have decided and done that yeah i think it makes a lot more sense you know to have boots on the ground people that know what they've done we've done a number of shows with muay thai grand prix really liked working with those guys um there were uh you know they'd previously been on fight pass and then fight pass uh went ahead and um you know they weren't on fight pass anymore so they only wanted one muay thai promotion so um they chose us and we were able to, uh, uh, you know, to set up some shows at the Indigo Room at the O2, which mm -hmm. is an amazing venue. Um, and there, there's a lot going on in England right now. You know, I, we do these Road to Lion Fight shows as well. And I was there two weeks ago and a lot of great young talent in mm -hmm. the UK. You know, we were working with a Rob Hayward's group there and um hybrid fight series and you know it gives us an opportunity to get our brand out there with guys that know what they're doing that can help us with some of the logistics on matchmaking and and getting the venue and things like that and and i think that's something you're going to see matt probably a lot more throughout this year and next year as he's rode the lion fight shows we're going to be back in argentina we're going to do these a uh, couple more in the united states and hopefully canada mm. if they can get around the COVID stuff. Yeah, I know that, uh, you know, with all the different countries having different leg legislation around COVID, it can always be a hassle. Like you said, extra expenses. Uh, what, what do you see as some of the pros and cons of having these boots on the ground shows? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that, I think the biggest advantage is you're going in with someone that you trust. Um, somebody that's going to put together a great show that's really of the quality that we've you know kind of been known for now. Um, everything from the production, from the lighting, from the venue, the ticket sales, they can handle all of that. They'll work with Scott Zier, Scott Zier on the matchmaking, and it's something we kind of have the final say on. And it may be uh, a European champion like we just did on the last show, have that title belt available. And hopefully... 
it gives these opportunities to these other fighters that want to fight for Lion Fight, that maybe want to come to the U.S. and eventually fight for a European title or a world title. So mm-hmm. it's a great branding opportunity for us and something that uh, we're, we're, we're very high on right now. Makes sense. And just in terms of the production side, is it difficult to sort of coordinate some of the production issues? Because I assume UFC Fight Pass has some standards, like I I don't know what they are, but certain standards for the streaming. Is that side of things difficult to sort of coordinate? Yeah, you know, they've got their own staff there and, uh, you know, they will deal with our production group and you know they've got technical requirements which were way over my head (laughs) but you know they seem to speak the same language but you've always got technical issues you know satellite time do you want to use a production truck do you want to use a fly pack do you want to use commentators there you know do you want to use Kizwi or one of these groups to have commentators doing your show in separate languages Mm -hmm. Uh, lots of options a lot of balls in the air and uh, uh, we are reliant on these other jurisdictions to kind of be familiar with Lion Fight. Rob was at our last show in, in, in Boston and kind of got a feel for how we do the weigh-ins. Uh, what are the production requirements? And, yeah, UFC's, uh, you know, got, got a list. Um, some of the other folks that we're dealing with, you know, they're more flexible on some things but have requirements on, like, graphics and, you know, tail of the tape and those kinds of things. So mm. internet, these things all go into putting on one of these shows. Yeah, it definitely sounds very complicated. You need help. I certainly needed help. And, you know, I, I've been <laughs> blessed to have great people around me and that really buy into what we're doing. And like any business, that's, that's the key to success. And to some extent, you alluded to it before, but what are you looking for in one show what does a successful show mean to you well i think is if the fights come off well and they're well-matched fights and they're exciting and you know everybody walks out of there wanting to see another fight or you know you have folks going on the website trying to find out when the next fight is you know that's that's exciting after the fight we always get a ton of fighter interest from all over the world you know, people that want to fight for Lion Fight because they see that we are committed to to bringing in, you know, the best talent that we've got a brand now that people are proud to fight on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, that's, you know, enjoying it. Everybody enjoying it and the fighters having a great time. And like you mentioned in Boston, it's everything from the weigh-in, it's everything to the after-party, everybody having a great experience and, and speaking highly, hopefully, of uh, the product that you have. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, you know, having such a long and storied career, you know, there's been ups and downs. What do you think are some of the key moments for you where you learned a lot about the business of promoting? Well, I think it's, you know, trust is a big thing. You know, we we one of the issues we, we've always had and, and more in the early years is things like, you know, fighters selling tickets because it was such an integral part of your pro forma for each individual fight. You know, a fighter will take 80 tickets and then, you know, sell 11 of them. So mm-hmm. you get handed a stack of tickets at the weigh-in mm-hmm. and there's no way back in the box office, no way to sell them. And a lot of times we always give the fighters the best tickets. So that's going to be in your main camera view. Mm-hmm. So how do you fill those seats? You know, that's, that's a challenge. I, I think sometimes we've been 
led down a, kind of a primrose path here that, that these fighters, you know, it's it's a business and we all need to pitch in. And I think that was one of the areas where maybe we've we've put too much emphasis on the ability of the fighters to, to sell the tickets that they take. I think uh, we've probably overspent a lot of these fights just because we wanted to keep up uh, you know, good relations with folks or, or people have promised sponsorships and things like that that haven't delivered. And, and I think those are probably, you know, a few of the more disappointing things. You know, you build a fighter and you give them these opportunities to fight and then, you know, they'll get a new manager or they'll get married and, mm-hmm. you know, a picture changes and people kind of forget all of the things that you did for them. And mm-hmm. it, that's a frustrating part probably of any business. Yeah, for sure. And just going back to a little bit of the ticket sales, do you feel like because a little bit of the model has changed, um, you I wouldn't say completely, but you would be more uh, accurate about it. Um, you know, you said definitely in the early days, ticket sales were so, so important. Do you feel like that is still a big issue or because now that you're on streaming platforms like the UFC, some of the pressure has been removed? Well, it helps having a licensing fee so you're not as stressed about it, but it's still, you know, I I listed all of the costs that go into putting one of these things on. So you're still hoping that with the venue you've got, that people are going to sell you know we, we've transitioned from giving fighters you know 100 tickets or 50 tickets or whatever they say they can sell to where now you buy them online and we can track fighter sales there so mm-hmm. if a fighters out and they haven't sold any tickets we're able to reach out to the fighters camp and say you know you know we're spending a lot of money here to to get you on this card we need you to do your part and get out and sell those tickets and mm-hmm. Some fighters just feel like they're above that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's very few fighters that I found that really care a lot about their career and their own brand that aren't willing to make the effort to do that. And I think you'll see it's not just us. Any promotion will tell you that. Mm-hmm. It's a big part of your business model to have that revenue coming in and to get the butts in the seats. You know, you're, you're growing a brand. You're growing the fighter's brand. And, and you want, when you're on television, you want the venue to be rocking. Yeah. Um, Obviously, you've dealt with some fighters that are very successful at selling tickets and some that are not so much. What do you think are some of the key indicators of people that are good at it? And how how do they sort of approach ticket sales and, you know, working with you in a positive way? Well, I think a lot of it is social media. now. Mm -hmm. I mean, back didn't have social media. Now it's easy to invite all your friends and family you know, with one click of a button or, mm-hmm. you know, make it so easy. We send out the link to all the fighters. All they need to do is send the link in a couple of clicks and they've got the tickets. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, you've got to go to everybody in the gym now mm-hmm. and hard sell, you know, people or all your friends and family. Um, and again, I think, you know, if somebody's serious about fighting and serious about their career they understand the importance of developing their own fan base. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they feel a hell of a lot better when they're fighting and everybody's screaming their name, mm-hmm. you know, rather than just their opponent. So there's there's not a good reason to not do it. And I've heard fighters say, well, I'm too busy or I'm this or I'm that. Well, then you're too busy to develop your own brand. I mm-hmm. mean, we're bust to build our brand. We expect you to pull your weight. 
Yeah, th that is definitely true. You know, in my own fight career, I remember I was not very good at ticket sales. And it's definitely something that I emphasize now that I'm more on the back end of the industry. You know, I just realized, oh, fuck, I would so much would have changed if I had been better at it. You know, when you talk about, oh, hearing people shout your name because you sold a lot of tickets, that happened to me. But I was on the other end. You know, I didn't have a, as much support as my opponent. And, you know, in the in the ring, I just heard the opponent's name being shouted over and over and over. And it was totally intimidating. I was like, oh, oh what am I doing with my life? Um, so, you know, I, I do think it's important, obviously, from a monetary standpoint, but also from a performance standpoint. Um and you get your gyms involved, you mm -hmm. know, you you know, and, 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 and part of the problem sometimes isn't the fighter, mm -hmm. it's their manager. You mm -hmm. know, the managers want top dollar, they want this, they want that. But when it comes down to, you know, helping your fighter market himself, you know, helping your gym market yourself, shoot videos of your fighter in your gym, get your banner in there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all about brand recognition and growing the sport. So I don't have a lot of patience with guys. And, and, and you know, a lot of times it's not the fight. fighters are easy to deal with a lot of times. Mm -hmm. It's the managers. It's the spouse. It's this person that thinks, you know, we're going to do, you know, we expect all of this, but we're not going to do that. And mm -hmm. It's just it's not, uh, you know, uh, teams that we're interested in dealing with. Um, you sort of touched on it a little bit, but do you think there's maybe two or three specific things that, fighters can do uh to promote themselves you know in a positive way regularly yeah i think social media again it's so easy now back mm -hmm. in the day you didn't have that they, they can't make it any more easy for mm -hmm. you. you shoot a couple of videos while you're training mm -hmm. or you're having you know whatever talk about your upcoming fight it's all content and it's all relevant to your brand and and helping helping promote the sport itself i think Social media is a big part of it. A lot of our fighters, you know, we don't limit fighters with sponsors. Mm -hmm. You know, um, be, you know, reach out to your community. You can get, make a lot of money in sponsorship. We pay the fighters a percentage of all the tickets that they sell. Mm -hmm. So there's an benefit. Um, uh, you know, bring in sponsors. You know, maybe it's the person that cuts your hair. Maybe it's the guy that works on your. It doesn't have to be a lot of money, mm -hmm. but you're engaging the community and you're gaining fans for yourself and for the sport. Um, you know, and I think a, a lot of it is 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 comes down to the you know the people around you, the gym. Get your gym involved. Mm -hmm. So many fighters that we have are so successful. You know, they're always on social media shooting these little video clips. You know, look at Warren Thompson. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or likable guy in the Muay Thai community. He's a character. People love him. He's always on social media. And that makes a lot of sense to a promoter to bring a guy like that because he's so passionate about himself and he's very honest about himself. Mm -hmm. really resonates with fans because it's not just the fighter in the ring. It's the fighter before they get in the ring and the fighter after the ring, you know, mm -hmm. what's your story, mm -hmm. you know, story to tell, you know, Kevin had a great, uh, Kevin Ross had a great story about, you know, the challenges that he had to overcome and, you know, Muay Thai essentially saved his life. And there's a lot of guys out there like that. Mm -hmm. 
Well, those are the stories that the casual fan is going to be very interested to tell. Mm -hmm. Well, we can do it. You know, we can have the writer at Fight Pass write a story on you. We can do some social media posts. But a lot of times we don't know what that story is. Mm -hmm. Have your story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that there's, you know, a couple really good things that you brought up. Uh, The first one was about getting community support. You know, I did an article recently on a fighter, uh, I think about a year ago, maybe that has fought on your promotion. Um, and their ability to, um, get sponsors basically doubled their purse size. And they, they were, they were, you know, they're not getting like huge amounts of money, but they're going to the local, um, you know, cafe, you know, their local uh, pub, you know, all these different places and, you know, five, $600 from here and there, it, you know, it added up, um, and makes a big difference. Um, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, it adds up and, you know, sell tickets. You're getting 20%. All you need to do is send the link to these people. They buy the tickets. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't have to take a stack of tickets to your gym. You don't have to mail things out in FedEx, anything like we used to have to do, and all of the expense that went along with that. Mm-hmm. It's 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 uh, a business that, again, we've been through a lot in 12 years. We've done 72 fights in eight countries. You know, we've made our mistakes along the way, but we probably have as good a handle as anybody mm-hmm. as far as what the business of Muay Thai actually is because we've done it. We're mm-hmm. not talking about it. We've done it, and we've done it successfully for 12 years, and we're not making lots of money. You know, sometimes we're losing money on a fight or we're breaking even, Mm -hmm. but we've got the wherewithal and the commitment to keep it going because we believe in this sport, and and we want fighters to kind of represent that kind of underdog attitude. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always going to be boxing and MMA, but you know what? We're very proud of our sport. We think we've got the most exciting stand-up fighting sport in the world, Mm -hmm. and it's our task just to get more people to see it because I know they're going to fall in love with it. Yeah, absolutely. The other, I think, big point and something we've sort of been circling around uh, constantly is just the issue of branding all the time. You know, you talked about Kevin Ross having this backstory about how he's, you know, his struggle with alcoholism and then Muay Thai changes his life. You know, not a lot of fighters have that same level of sort of brand uh, recognition or brand awareness uh, and you said oh so many fighters need to develop their stories more uh, what do you see as common stories or common ways for fighters to develop those sort of brand ideas well you know it, it can be anything you know uh, I you know play division two football and you know wherever mm-hmm. and and you know uh uh, I realized I wasn't going to play professional football, so I got into Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Chip Pollard was an MMA fighter. He was a 500 MMA fighter, but he always loved striking, and he knew that was you know the strengths. So, you know, yeah, I, I fought in MMA, and and uh, you know I think he fought Bellator. I know he's fought in some other organizations, but he didn't excel until he got into a sport that fit his natural talents. He Mm -hmm. wasn't a wrestler. He wasn't a jujitsu guy, you know, and, and something as simple as that is saying, yeah. Um, 
and, and, and we have a lot of MMA fighters that reach out to us that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe didn't take wrestling in high school and college or jiu-jitsu, which you have to be very proficient at now in MMA. You know, I love the strike. You know, I love the cultural aspect. I love the discipline mm-hmm. of Muay martial art. That's another selling fact. You know, why did you get into Muay Thai? Because it's not for everybody. You know as well as anybody. You know, you have to be very committed to the sport because it's a very dangerous sport, mm-hmm. but it's also a very beautiful sport. Mm-hmm. And what drew you to Muay Thai? So your story may not seem that big of a deal to you, but maybe it's going to resonate to other people mm-hmm. who are interested in, in martial arts or, you know, maybe are not comfortable in MMA. You know, maybe Muay Thai is something that I can develop as a... You know, maybe it's just a casual pastime. Maybe it's just something I go train a couple days a week. But, you know, what inspires you? That's what's going to inspire other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and just sort of wrapping things up, what are, and something that you talked about, what are sort of the future plans? What are some of the uh, dates that are going to come up for Lion Fight? Well, you know, as late as today, we're, we're looking at... Uh, we're going to go into Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to go California. We're going to be uh, obviously back in Boston for a couple times this year. And uh, we're, uh, I was talking to some folks uh, last week about Vegas, where we're going to do our shows here. So those would be the majority of our domestic shows. We're going to be back in Sicily. We're going to be back in England. And uh, we're going to do a road to line fight in Argentina as well as Uruguay. And uh, as you may or may not know, we have some breaking news uh, about uh, our relationship with our good friends at Fairtex and, and, and Sam at Ute, you know, as far as uh, doing some shows in Thailand. So we're going to do a press release here in the next week or two, kind of outlining when that's going to be and what that's going to entail from a broadcast standpoint. Yeah, that will be very, very exciting, obviously. You know, uh, a lot of... A lot of times promotions are bringing ties to the states or other areas. And it's, a, I think, a really big deal when a promotion goes to Thailand, uh, you know, and there's some real advantages to it. So I'm definitely very excited to see Line Fight over here in Thailand um, and to see it continue more in the states as well and internationally. Um, just wrapping things up, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance to talk about? You know, I think we've covered most of it, Matt. You know, I, I appreciate it. You know, you've got a, uh, a big audience in the Muay Thai community. You're well-respected. You know, I appreciate you taking the time to come to our shows and support us. I think you know the challenges that are out there for Muay Thai. And we all need to kind of come together and get behind a promotion that established itself, you know, uh, Muay Thai is very fragmented in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, coastally and, and in states and different gyms and sanctioning bodies. And you kind of alluded to it in the past, you know, and as, as, as far as branding, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for sanctioning bodies, WBC, WMC, you know, there's the IFMA shows, there's uh, the, the, you know, the other shows that are out there. There's, there's a lot of them, a lot of belts out there. But I think what kind of distinguishes us is that, you know, we've done this for 12 years. We've got North American belts, we've got European belts, and we've got world title belts. And, you know, I would put our champions up against anybody. And I think the fact that uh, 
uh, we've been asked to do this, uh, and we're very honored to be able to, you know, to do be the first American promotion to do these shows uh, in Thailand, where we're going to be doing them. So, um, you know, let's let's all get behind everybody here and support Muay Thai. Um, I appreciate everything you've done, and you've always been a good friend to us, and look forward to to working with you in the future. Yeah, thanks so much, uh, and. You know, just backing that up, uh, again, going to Chip Pollard, he defended his belt seven times. He went up against Jacob Benko, who is very, very internationally recognized. The bout was very close. Uh, Benko went on to beat uh, Joe Buber, uh, also an internationally recognized fighter. So there's, you know, there's credibility to the belt, um, you know. So it's always good to talk to you, Scott, and I appreciate your time out. Hopefully, I will be seeing you out here in Thailand soon. Sounds good, buddy. Take care. So that was a great interview with the founder of Line Fight, Scott Kent. Obviously, you know, Line Fight has gone through some ups and downs throughout the years. Um, Definitely, you know, a lot of learning has gone on. But I think what has been the biggest point that Sky has learned is how important branding is and how you really need to understand your story, not only as a fighter, but also as a promoter and you know any type of business, especially in the sport. It's not something that's talked about a lot. But it's definitely something that needs to happen. So definitely appreciate Scott taking out his time to talk. Um, I thought I learned a lot about the business. You know, just going over some of the monetary costs of putting on a, a show. You know, out here in Thailand, putting on a show you know, does not cost that much. Um, you know, you look at just having one fighter on your show. It's going to be you know according to Scott, somewhere in the ballpark of, you know, five to six thousand dollars. Uh that's a lot of money. It's a big investment from the promoter. So definitely something to think about. This has been Unfighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator and ex Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people.